video version of this podcast is available at AboundingJoy.com and also on our YouTube pages. Hey guys, thanks for joining me in Bible study today. What you're watching today is a conclusion of a study in Galatians chapter 3. You can find the beginning of that study in the previous posted video, Galatians 3, 1 through 18, Faith, Part 1. So this strong warning against legalism is part of the reason God tells us back in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, he gives a command. Paul gave it to the Corinthians, but it's in God's word for all of us. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. You don't realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Now, guys, listen, I don't have time to go into this right now. I did a study for Veritas 2020 that focused on this verse. There are many, many bad ways that people examine themselves. And there, and, and so we, you need to understand that, but I would encourage you. I'll try to remember to put a link in here also to, to that study so you can go back and watch that. It would be really valuable for you to watch it. If you know somebody that might be interested in becoming a Christian, that would be a good video to watch. Or, or if you know someone who's supposed to be a Christian, but they're struggling with doubts all the time, I think that study could really be helpful for them. Examine yourselves. But for now, the question is, do we realize to the depths of our being that it's Jesus in us doing the good works, producing the fruit. It really isn't us. God's saying, when you realize you cannot keep the law, when you, when you realize you fail miserably, and you better realize that, he says, you throw yourself on my mercy, and you trust Jesus and only Jesus, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive you. I'm going to come and live out my life in you. I'll produce good spiritual fruit through you. And you may say, but don't we have to cooperate? Well, of course we have to cooperate. But that's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, Galatians chapter 5, he talks about this. Self-control's on that list. He produces the self-discipline in us, the Holy Spirit does. And he produces the will within us to do what God commands us to do. He produces the power within us to do it. So Paul wrote to the Philippians, it's God who works in you. See, there it is again. It's God who works in you, both to will and to work. For his good pleasure. Yes, we have to make a decision. I'm going to do the right thing. We're responsible for that. We have a will. We have to choose to do the right thing. But God is the one enabling all of that. We don't get any glory. He gets it all because he's doing it all. Verse 11. Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. And again, he's condemning and renouncing legalism here by legalistically trying to keep the law in our own strength. We just can't do it. For the righteous, he said, shall live by faith. Now he's quoting another Old Testament passage. This is from Habakkuk, chapter 2, one of the most important verses in the Bible. It's quoted by Paul in Romans, chapter 1. It's quoted by the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10. But the law, and here he's talking about their ideas about keeping the law legalistically, the way they were trying to use the law, the way they were keeping the way they were treating the law. He says, that's not faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Now, what he's doing here, I believe he's quoting from Leviticus, and he's quoting a passage that the legalists were taking and misusing. They would use this verse to make their claim that their legalism is necessary for salvation. They were not considering everything else God taught, even in the Old Testament. Guys, this is an important principle. We can take a verse out of context and think God's saying one thing, and then we look at everything else he says, and we realize, no, 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 I misunderstood that. It's so important that we put it all together. They were not doing that. Now, it is true, I said this earlier, I think, the closer we come to keeping God's law, 
the better things go for us in this life. That's true for lost and saved people alike. God's laws bring better outcomes in this life. And actually, probably a longer life in this life, a longer physical life. We'll probably have a longer physical life if we're keeping God's laws. Certainly true that when we realize we can't keep God's laws, we get to that point and we begin to trust and love God that he will enable us to obey him for the good outcomes that come from obedience. But he's already told us in verse 10 that all who do not keep it perfectly, and none of us do, we're all under the curse. So in verse 13, he says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit. How? Through faith. And the point is, there really is a difference in what God was teaching through Moses and other godly men of the Old Testament and the way that those Judaizers that Jesus had to deal with and the apostles had to deal with and Paul was having to deal with here, the way they interpreted that law. Two different things. And guys, it's going on today. I know some of you are thinking, boy, he just keeps hammering on this. Yeah, this is really important. <laughs> there are people confused about this today, just as the Jews of Jesus' day were confused. You know what? I've heard people say this. Some people today will say, well, in the Old Testament, people were saved by keeping the law. But in the New Testament, we're saved by trusting Jesus. I've heard people say, well, the Jews... Maybe today, maybe in the Old Testament, maybe in the Great Tribulation, they're saved by keeping God's law. But we Christians are saved by trusting Jesus. But guys, listen, this is so important. Paul really works hard to communicate this to us. The law was never intended to be the means of salvation, ever. Even in the Old Testament, salvation has always been by grace through faith, God's grace. The law was given to show them and show us. We need salvation. We need God's grace. We can't do it on our own. That was the purpose. Moses understood that people needed a new heart of love. He did. He knew they needed to love God. They needed to trust God before they could obey God's law. He understood, Moses understood this, that obeying the law was not just a matter of human effort and pride of human accomplishment and legalism. I mean, it was going on in spades in the days of Jesus and the apostles. But listen to what Moses says. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30. Listen to this. Amazing passage of scripture if you haven't thought about it. And the Lord your God will do what? Circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. So that, you hear that? You see that? God will change your heart. God will circumcise your heart. It has to be a work, a supernatural work of God. So that you will Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. But you see, he's saying God has to do that. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your ground, for the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your fathers when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law. When you turn, listen, you see that word turn? When you turn to the Lord your God with all your what? 
with all your heart and with all your soul. You see what he's saying? Moses is talking about obedience. Yes, he is. But he's talking about obedience that is produced in someone who loves God, who's trusting God. You can't separate love and trust. This is an obedience that comes from God doing a work in their hearts, circumcising their hearts. This is not legalism. But there's more. Stay with me here. Several times, God used Moses in the, in the books of Moses to rebuke the Israelites for what? Unbelief. Unbelief. They wouldn't trust God like Abraham did. And occasionally he commends them for their belief when they did trust God like Abraham did. Look at this, Exodus chapter 4. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Exodus 14. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord. That's what God wanted. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? So here they're being rebuked because they didn't believe in spite of all the signs I've done among them. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. Another rebuke. Because he didn't believe. God didn't give the law through Moses so that by simply keeping the law in their own human strength, the Israelites could please God in and of themselves. You see what I'm saying? Come into his presence by their good deeds. That's not why he gave them the law. He gave them the law to show them his standards, to show them how far short they were falling from meeting his standards, to teach them that if they would love him and believe him, he would do the work in them. He would circumcise their hearts. He would forgive them on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus in the future for them, the past for us, but he would forgive them of their failures. He would give them his grace so they could please him by believing him, by trusting him, just like Abraham had done. Even the Mosaic law itself pronounced a curse on all who did not perfectly keep it. We've already seen that in chapter 3 here in Galatians. Paul's quoting from Deuteronomy 27, Cursed is anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. So God's saying, I gave you my law. My law is good. It reveals my standard. You can study it. You can see how far short you fall. It tells you the way to live with the best outcomes, the fewest regrets, but you can never use it to come to me. You're a sinner. You've broken my law in more ways than you even realize. So if you want to please me, if you want to come to me, you must humble yourselves. You must realize how far short you fall. You must repent. You must trust me. You must love me. I'll forgive your sins. I'll count that trust, that faith as righteousness. Just as I did with Abraham. I'll enable you to obey me. And things will turn out good for you. But if you try to come to me and please me by trying to show me how well you can keep my law, which is exactly what the Pharisees in Jesus' day were trying to do, but trying to show me how much better you are than other folks around, you're just, you're just boasting. That's self-righteousness. You're not doing as well as you think you are when that's your approach. You're sinning even as you proclaim your own righteousness. You've missed it completely. Listen, now Paul said it in Romans chapter 3. Then what becomes of our boasting? <laughs> it's excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No. By the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Was God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Oh yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one, 
who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. He's saying the law's not bad. It's good. It just can't save you. <laughs> it can't. We can't save ourselves by keeping it. As that says it in Romans 9, what shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, listen now, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they didn't pursue it by faith. You hear what he's saying? They tried to do it on their own by works. It was, the law was good, but they needed faith. But as it were, based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. And that's pretty much a universal human tendency. There are many people today falling under the same deception, the same curse, trying very, very hard to be good. You know, if we look at them just from a distance, we might think, well, they look like pretty good people to me. <laughs> they probably think of themselves as pretty good people, at least compared to other people that are they're really very good, it seems. But God knows the heart. And some people feel like they're pretty good, but they never come to the place where they realize that by God's standard, it's just not true. None of us are good. We need Jesus to come live out his life through us. We need him to produce good fruit through us. Until we come to that place, we're still under the curse. No matter how good we may seem to be in our own eyes, no matter how good we may seem to be in the eyes of others. 15. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. What's he talking about here? Well, nowadays it's a little hard for us to understand because we know nowadays that if, if there's a man-made covenant, we can add an amendment to it, a codicil, I guess they call it legally, a, you know, to a will, for example, we can change it. But there were Roman laws and there were Jewish laws that made that impossible. Once that will was in effect, you couldn't change it. It was a done deal. And Paul's about to say here, some people are trying to teach that the law of Moses changed God's covenant with Abraham. Abraham achieved righteousness by faith. But they say when Moses' law came into effect, that changed everything. Now they're saying righteousness was achieved by works, works of the law. So skipping down to verse 17, he says this. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, after God's promise to Abraham, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. He's saying the law didn't change that. God still sees you as righteous only if you have faith. It's by faith that God declares us to be righteous. Paul's underlying the law God gave Moses does not undo the promise to Abraham. You see that? He would agree, yes, God gives us a lot more details about his law through Moses. Abraham didn't know all those details, but God gave them through Moses. But he would insist the way to please God is still the same way. It's not changed. It's still faith. And that faith leads to obedience, and that obedience is necessary, but it's an obedience that comes as a result of faith. It's not legalism. We've got to get that straight. And by the way, we can see that's true even in the case of Abraham. You have to read this carefully, but listen to what the Lord says to Abraham. After Abraham proved that he was willing even to offer his son Isaac to the Lord on the Lord's command, 
We read, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand that's on the seashore. And your offspring shall, your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And we need to be careful here. Again, we mustn't take this out of context. Because God says here, because you have done this. And God says, because you have obeyed my voice. And we might say, well, that must mean Abraham's righteousness didn't come by faith after all. It came because he obeyed. But no, if we think about this carefully and read it carefully, it means that because Abraham was trusting God, because Abraham believed God, God had already declared that that belief would be counted as righteousness. God was working through Abraham and changing the way Abraham lived. God is the one who gave Abraham the will to sacrifice Isaac because Abraham loved God. Abraham believed God. So this wasn't an act of legalism. You see the difference? This is the result of his faith. It's been accounted to him as righteousness. It's the result. It's the consequence. He's doing what God said to do because he's trusting God, because he believed God, loves God. And listen, Moses and all the other great men of God that we read about in the Old Testament, Joshua, Gideon, Samuel, David, Elijah, Isaiah, Daniel. Hey, they're just men, right? These are not little gods. They're men, just like Abraham, just like us. They were sinners, and they couldn't please God either by obeying his commands in their own strength. They couldn't. How do they please God? By trusting God, by loving God. And he forgave their sins. He declared them righteous on the basis of their faith in him. And of course, of the coming sacrifice of Jesus, the ultimate lamb of God, the one to whom all their sacrificial animals were pointing. He would forgive them and he would then work through them because they were trusting him. Verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. Doesn't say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, to your offspring, singular, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it's no longer by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. So in verse 16, Paul's talking about what God told us in Genesis 12, Genesis 21, Genesis 22. Look at these verses. Genesis 12, God told Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here's another one, Genesis 21. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Paul has these verses in mind. Genesis 22, God told Abraham this, In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. And Paul's pointing out that because the word offspring is singular, that is fulfilled in a singular person, Jesus. Jesus is the offspring of Abraham. And in Jesus, all the nations of the earth are blessed, of course, including us. When we get to verse 18, we have to read it very carefully considering all this context. Verse 18, for if the inheritance, he's talking about our salvation here, our relationship with God. If it comes by the law, 
And there he's talking about what we've been talking about all along, legalistically, keeping the commandments as a way to please God, a way to attain God's favor, a way to achieve salvation by the law. He says it's no longer by promise. The promise of Christ, the one who saves us and redeems us and brings us into favor with God. If salvation was through legalistically keeping the law, then what Jesus did wouldn't have been necessary. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. And this actually reminds us of what he said back in Galatians 2.21. We've looked at it earlier. I don't nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And that brings us back to verse 20, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We've looked at this also. But this is true for all of us who are in Christ. And it's a good place to stop today. And I know you say, Steve, you repeated yourself a lot. I know God repeats himself a lot in this, in this context because it's so easy for our little brains to get confused. We need the repetition. We need to get it drilled into our brains. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. So it's true about Paul. True about the saved Galatians, and if we're Christians, it's true about us too. Here it is I have been crucified with Christ. I've trusted Jesus, I'm identified with him in his death. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Father, thank you for this incredible passage of Scripture. Lord, you know our little brains somehow seem to always so easily gravitate either towards legalism or toward antinomianism. You know us, Lord. We, we just want to make things make sense to us instead of trusting you. And to many of us, it just makes sense that we ought to have to earn our salvation somehow by doing something. But Lord, we know it's just not true. We know we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Only grace, only faith, only Jesus. So help us, Lord, to internalize this so thoroughly and so well that we would never be deceived by any of the subtle attempts Satan tries to put in our path to draw us toward legalism. And then, Lord, we know, as you've taught us so clearly in your word, that once Jesus comes into our lives, you change us completely and totally forever. We're new creatures. Old things have passed away. All things become new. We walk in newness of life. And you're making us more and more and more like Jesus. By your grace, only by your grace, you, through the power of your Holy Spirit in us, you're producing fruit. You're doing good things, good works, that others might see you at work in our lives and give glory to you. All the glory belongs to you, Lord. We want you to use us. And Lord, you know, we know and you know that every time you use us, there's a temptation for us to take some of that glory for ourselves, to bask in the glory. Lord, help us to see the difference between being encouraged to stay in the battle and taking glory because all the glory belongs to you. If you use us to do good things, we rejoice in that and we give you praise, but we don't take pride. We don't take glory. We give it all to you. Teach us these things. Help us to learn these things really, really well and communicate these things really, really well to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.